kids. Almost said boys and girls, but I do remember that. Uh, all righty, kids. Welcome in. Alabama Politics This Week, your favorite weekly politics podcast. I am Josh Moon, and that is... David Person. How are you, David? Yes, I'm good. Yeah. I'm uh, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I am too. Like, well, I think we both said we've been a little under the weather the last couple of days, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, rebounding, rebounding. Got a got a rebound by th- this evening, especially by this weekend. I've got a uh, a newly uh, turned five year old uh, that we've mm-hmm. got to throw the birthday party for and have all that. And uh, so, as you might uh, could probably imagine, she didn't get anything for this birthday at all. Right, so right. She, uh, no, not not in your house. No. Yeah, no. She's a uh, deprived child. She is. She is. She does not get doted on at all around here. Uh, but you know she's uh, she's happy and she's sweet and so that uh, you know it's easy to when you have a a, a child kind of like that it's yes. uh, you know that acts sweet and does minds very well and does what she's supposed to do it's it's very hard not to just say here take everything just take it all I, look I understand man I I have not I have yet to meet her in person because mm-hmm. we actually have been doing this podcast remotely uh, for several years now but I will right. say. That when I see those Facebook posts, I just think she's adorable just from the Facebook posts. So I think I she, she takes after her father. So you know. well, I kind of doubt that. But most uh, people say but, adorable when they think yeah, of me. Well, they say adorable, Josh. Moon. I don't um, know about that. But <laughs> have you heard? Wait, have you heard otherwise? I, don't, <laughs> I think yeah, mom has a lot no, to do with the adorability factor. Mm-hmm. She is uh she's a she's a sweet little one and uh and so we we uh we we'll, but we'll get that uh, that handled and uh have a have a nice little party with the family and nice. all the uh, all the folks or her little friends from uh from pre-K and all that. So right. we'll uh we'll have did I ever tell you about the time that we had all the you know she went to to daycare for obviously for a while as we were you know working and and whatnot around here. And then last summer, you know, we we put a Put a pool in in the backyard, and uh, we had all of her friends from from daycare come over. Mm-hmm. We had eighteen children under the mm. age of four in the mm. in the backyard, four four and under. And uh, man, mm. it was like somebody had kicked over an anthill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, kids were running everywhere, jumping on things, but. Nobody got hurt. Everybody had a good time, so okay. we were we were all right. Yeah, so. oh, that's good. But you yeah. didn't anticipate that. You didn't. You didn't. I realize. did. I, well, I tell you, I tell you what, we didn't anticipate. We didn't anticipate everybody that we invited showing up. <laughs> so oh, uh, you know, you send those things out, and you think, well, we can't leave them out. Let's throw it. At, you know, let's let, okay, throw that in there too. That, that, these people, it's some. You know, it's the end of summer. They're never going to show up over here. All these people and. Every single person that we sent an invitation to showed up and brought their brothers and sisters with them. So, Ooh, yeah, okay. yeah. So, but it was fun. It was fun. Everybody was nice. Everybody had a good time. And so, it, uh, but it was, it was a little crazy there for a little bit. Uh, was, My uh, son is 28 years old now. So, this, this phase that you're describing is, is a faint memory for me. Yeah. But I will say that nothing brings me more joy. Than seeing happy children playing, yeah, it just yeah. it just lifts my spirits. Yeah, it just lifts my spirits. It is. It's a. Uh, it. It. You know. It, it is. We know. We've been told a, a thousand times. You know, this is going to go by fast, and you're going to yeah. look back, and you, you won't realize how fast it's going to go. And I, and I know that's true. That's a thousand percent true. And uh, you know, we try to do everything that we can to you know 
to to hold on to the moments and to you know and to recognize what you know how fortunate that we are and um and you know just have a good time with everything and and we do so um but uh you know speaking of of having good times sometimes I also what are we talking about today is there something that we're are we just going to talk about little kids birthday parties is that what we're going to do no I think we've got a little bit more to on the agenda than that. Yeah, yeah. So there was a state of the state on Tuesday, and uh-huh. um, I, <laughs> me and uh, uh, Bill Britt were talking after after it was over. We I told Bill, I said, yeah. she could have saved some time. She just walked out there and said, "The state of the state is uh, we're all pretty much still fucked. We'll see y'all next year. See if anything changes." <laughs> uh, uh, but. Uh, you know, she didn't do that. Uh, apparently, in uh, Kay Ivey's world, the state of the state is strong. And so um, she talked for a while about a bunch of different things. And, um, you know, it was, as far as I could tell, I, I had two thoughts on that. I want to get your opinion. I, did you watch this, by the way? The state I of the state? actually did not watch it. I, I thought I had taped it <clears throat> and I was going to review it, but uh, yeah. something happened with my DVR. Yeah. She, <laughs> um, she did not look well mm-hmm. um uh, i did not think and and that's no shot at, at k ivy mm-hmm. uh, for her age or anything like that she just seemed to struggle a lot and i heard that from a lot of people both republicans and democrats that they were kind of concerned um that that she had kind of struggled a little bit during during the course of that speech i, I did think there towards the end though she which is odd uh towards the end she kind of picked things up and seemed to be much better than she was at the beginning or middle of that of the speech and so so maybe it uh she had a little problem you know sometimes that happens as uh, as we had right before we came on the air here i had to uh went through like a little coughing spell so you know maybe she had a head cold uh, like i've had um maybe. and yeah. um you know you never can tell but uh you know the the other thing that uh, uh that we wanted to talk about i guess is that you know through the got the course of the speech she talked about a bunch of different things but the one thing she didn't talk about is probably the most important thing that is facing Alabamians today. And that is a lack of access to healthcare. Um, and, and I wrote about that um, afterwards and said, you know, this is, and, and was uh, according to the, uh, the number of people who read it and passed it along, apparently it's a pretty, uh, pretty popular opinion that, that somebody should have, should be mentioning and talking a little bit more about uh, the lack of access to healthcare in this state, because we're, we're, having a a huge problem and we're about to have an even bigger one because in April, I believe April 1st, um, you know, the federal government's pandemic relief uh, runs out, which means uh, roughly 60 to 80,000 Alabamians are going to come off the Medicaid rolls again, which is going to leave almost all of them in that Medicaid coverage gap because it, it takes so you can't, you can't make over, I want to say it's $12,000 for the year. You can't make over $12,000 for the year and still qualify for Medicaid in the state of Alabama. So um, we're, we're about to put a whole bunch more people out there on the streets with no health care coverage. And we already have, they're going to join the roughly two hundred fifty to 300,000 people who are already in that gap. And it is a recipe for disaster uh, for us. And, and it's costing all of us thousands of dollars a month. To, to not address this. And I wrote a column 
and said, essentially, and I've heard this from people behind the scenes who've talked about it, um, essentially expanding Medicaid or whatever they want to call it. You know, there are all these other alternative plans that essentially expand Medicaid, but they offer the services without saying that they're expanding Medicaid mm-hmm. um, and, and and cover those folks in that gap um, th- will require a pretty significant funding source. And right now, there is no funding source available for that. And the only way that they can possibly get that passed through and pay for it is by figuring out a way to find that funding source. And the only funding source that they can find is gambling. Um, and so those two things are pretty much tied together at this point. And, I, you know, and we refuse, even if it weren't tied to healthcare, it's a stupid thing for us not to expand gambling uh, in the state uh, and, and uh, come up with a comprehensive gambling bill uh, that, that taxes and regulates the gaming that we already have here mm-hmm. and and gives us some revenue. You know, there's a comprehensive bill that would generate roughly a billion dollars a year. Um, and we would probably end up with less gambling than what we have right now uh, all around the state. And and it just it, it's it's idiotic to me that we don't do this. So when I was uh, when I was doing some reading, you know, after the state of the state uh, to try to uh, make up for not having seen it. Um, of course, your column was was one of the things that I that I've that I'd come across and was reading. <clears throat> Pardon me. And um, you know, it um, it seems to me like you know you said you said you talked in terms of this being a problem, um, you know, an emerging problem, which is true. There's this aspect of it that's emerging. But then there's this aspect that's already been there, which is that, you know, we've already had severe issues related to uh, the, the, the rural hospitals, you know, and we've talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast. Um, and for some reason, um, you know, the governor and the legislature, you know, they find they find time to talk about lots of different things. But there's this elephant in the room, Josh, that I think is um, is going to have um, is going to create severe problems in our state when you realize that not only are people in select communities being shortchanged in terms of their access to health care and medical care, but those of us who drive through these communities, if we end up for some reason or who visit these communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we end up for some reason in a health crisis, we also are going to suffer. Yeah. I just, I don't understand why this is, I don't understand how you can credibly say as governor, uh, I'm going to address the state of the state, but you're not addressing the elephant in the room, which is healthcare. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an essential thing. That's something that's, that should be beyond politics. Yeah. I don't understand well, it. I, well, I mean, I kind of understand it um, to the extent that the reason that they don't do it is because they don't have a plan. Um, you know, they, they don't, they do not have a viable plan at this point because passing uh, some sort of, of health care expansion is so reliant on, on passing gambling legislation. And they're right now they can't seem to get that done uh, for whatever reason. Um, yeah, but, you, and, but you laid it out in your column, I think mm-hmm. very well. You know, there is a path to do this. 
Yes. And you laid out that path in your column. And I think you should take a minute and explain that to people after I finish. <clears throat> but you laid it out. So I'm thinking if if you can lay it out and if I can see it and if other people reading it can see it, how hard would it be for them to present something? I mean, we can't keep going through year after year of state of the states and legislative sessions and we're just you know, pretending that this is not an issue. Well, we know it's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, um, you're, you're right. It's, it, it's an issue for, for thousands of people. And, and let me just tell you, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of people die every year because of this lack of access to care. Um, and, you know, I, it, what I wrote was essentially, you know, there, there's a, there is a gambling, a comprehensive gambling bill that is on the table now. It is as close as we've gotten to, a kind of a perfect storm of things that have happened uh, that have led to uh, to a situation where we could get this done finally. Uh, for so many years, uh, the traditional casino dog track owners were at odds with the Porch Creek Indians. Um, and and, and I, listen, I, I know some some people may hear the word Indian and think that's you know offensive. I've asked them about this. They use PCI as their branding, they, they say that they're fine with being called Porch Creek Indians. And so I've, I've actually asked the folks at, at, at PCI about this. I, you know, it's, it's still, sometimes when it comes out of my mouth, I'm still like, Whoa, that doesn't sound right. But, um, you know, that is what they choose. And, and so, but back to the, the point, it, you know, the, over the course of the last couple of years, What's essentially changed in that realm, in the gambling realm, is that uh, the Porch Creeks are basically landlocked at this point. You know, they can't they can't expand their gambling operations in the state outside of the locations that they currently have. And they're never going to be able to do that without some changes. And so that led them to the table uh, to negotiate a deal in which they could offer full casino gaming at their three locations that they currently have. And then would also be given control of a fourth location in northeast Alabama. Um, in exchange for that, they uh, the traditional casino dog track owners would be given the opportunity to have full gaming establishments at their places and Green Track, Birmingham Race Course, uh, and Victory Land. And so, you know, it, it was a pretty fair deal. Everybody thought uh, about that. Now, I mean, I know there are a lot of people that said, "Well, we could make you know an extra fifty million or sixty million here or there uh, on on these uh, gaming licenses if we bid them out to out of state companies and let the out of state companies come in." Well, you, you get into a whole lot of issues with that. You know, you get into a whole number of things where you're placing casinos in places that they've never they've never had casinos and may not want them. Uh, you know, you've got to go through all the red tape of getting these things approved and all that. In addition, you're also going to put out of business three or four uh, longtime business owners in the state uh, for just because you decided to pass new legislation on this, and it, and it's it, it just seems um, a little unfair. And not only that. It, it'll never happen. They'll kill it. Uh, you can't get it passed. And that's what I've said many times. You can tell you can show me the greatest bill in the world about how we can maximize the dollars uh, and cents out of, out of this. And it doesn't mean anything. It, it's not worth the paper it's written on if you can't get it passed. 
And you cannot get it passed unless it includes the businesses that are currently operating in the state. They've been operating too long. They have too. Uh, they have. They they've contributed too much to the local communities. They have too much support. The people that represent the areas where those places are: Macon County, Greene County, mm-hmm. um, Jefferson County, Mobile, around the Porch Creeks. They're not going to allow this to happen. They're just not. It's not. It's it's not a a viable situation for you to say that we're going to bid this thing out and shut these folks out. It'll never happen. So, you know, you got to pass what you can pass. Hmm. And this is what you can pass. And to do it, you you have you have a plan that provides you with 12,000 plus jobs, nearly a billion dollars annually of revenue, a new revenue stream. And you can then expand the health care that you're wanting to expand and create a, a, a college scholarship program. I I don't. So, you know, what are we talking about here? Well, that's the question. What are we talking about? I mean, what you know, this is uh, it seems like a clear path to what are the answers to what ails the state. So why is what are the politics behind this that are making this problematic? Because that's that's what it would have to be. Right. It would have to be politics. Right. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's all politics. I mean, it's, you know, this fight has been going on for a long time over gambling in this state. And we've essentially politicked our way into a corner um, where we're just in this weird gambling purgatory like like state where we have no real idea what's really legal and illegal. Uh, what, you know, what can be played where, why you can play this, but not that. I mean, it's just like, for example, you have these machines that essentially rely on historical horse racing. Uh, right. And they're, you know, they look a lot like slot machines. They mimic a lot of the more popular slot machines that are out there. Those are legal at the, at the dog tracks, but not electronic bingo, which basically do the same thing, but mimic you know, they mimic uh, uh, slot machines uh, playing electronic bingo uh, and and slot machines aren't legal. And, you know, so, and the porch creeks, because they're on federal land, uh, they can play the electronic bingo games, but you know, but not offer the historical horse racing games. Uh, not that they would want to, uh, but it, it's just it's it's dumb. Okay, these are all casinos. They're all doing the same thing. They're all people walking in there every day, grown adults with their own money uh, that schedule these visits to Atmore and Wetumpka and Montgomery and uh, various other places around. And they go in and they play these games and it's their form of entertainment and it's how they choose to spend their money and their time. And, you know, I, I don't what do we it just doesn't make any sense to me, I guess, being being kind of a realist to look at this and just say, well, why this attitude that you have, you're not, this is happening all over the state. It's everywhere. Right. Do, you know, do something and get the money from it. Because right now we collect $0 basically in tax revenue from the, from the porch creeks. And we, we collect very little from the other places. It's yeah. just, it's just ridiculous what we're doing. Yeah. We're having an argument about something as though it's not happening. Yeah. We're saying we don't want something to happen, yet it's already happening. So yeah. what are we, why are we having an argument about it? Just, let's just deal with the reality. The way I see it, you know, and, and this is, you know, this is what puts me at odds with some of my fellow church-going people. But the way I see it, life is full of things where the people have spoken, 
right? Mm-hmm. All right. I don't, you know, <clears throat> I don't, I don't gamble. You know, that's not my lifestyle. Now I've gone in a casino. I've spent five dollars here or there, just you know, as a novelty. But that's not my lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. But the people have spoken. They want gambling. They want the lottery, right? You know, uh, the people have spoken on marijuana. We can fight it. We can try to pretend that, you know, oh, this is such a, you know, this is going to be a horrible thing and the end of civilization. No, alcohol, it was the same thing 100 years ago, give or take, with alcohol. And guess what? The people spoke then, too. Yep. The people said, you know what? We want to drink. So when the people have decided, this is a democracy, supposedly, when the people have decided that they want to do certain things, instead of government trying to fight it, government should be trying to figure out how do we take the people's will and create an atmosphere where the people have this outlet that they want to have, right? Mm-hmm. But but we do it in a way where it's 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 it doesn't where there are offsetting things to make it safe for the rest of society and where the rest of society can benefit, you know, so that it's not just this group of people here, you know, getting what they want, where the people have spoken. I mean, to me, that's pretty simple. That shouldn't be hard. Yeah, it is. Right now, we're allowing basically unregulated gambling to occur. Uh, in, in the state, and that's that's never a good situation. It's never it's never good to to allow uh, unregulated business of any kind. Really, uh, I mean, you know, it just didn't. Uh, and, and we should we should be absolutely looking at what's going on and taking an active role and making sure things are fair, making sure that we uh, we are collecting the revenue to address the problems that are that might be created by that business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it, it, we're not doing any of this, and it right. just. It's ridiculous. So you use the term unregulated business, that we mm-hmm. should never have unregulated business. And I think that that's something that we need to highlight. There's a reason why we should not have unregulated business. And the reason is that all businesses are able to make the money that they make by using the infrastructure that the state provides them. Exactly. Right? So you can't you can't do business in this country without using the roads, without using the utilities, without using the internet, without, um, perhaps, and there, there are other things we could point to, environmental things. So absolutely, business of all types should be regulated so that the business owners can feed back into the system that enables them to exist and to be successful, assuming they are successful. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't follow that up with anything better. So I guess the best thing for me to say is uh, we're going to slide out of here. <laughs> so that's uh, right. uh, as well as you could say it. Uh, uh, we're, and so we are. We're going to slide out, and we'll get uh, we'll get uh, House Minority Leader uh, Anthony Daniels in here and uh, talk a little bit about the session and what uh, Democrats have planned. Uh, they they came out with a very strong plan right out of the gate. So. Uh, We'll uh, we'll talk to him about that. See what uh, see what's what and what they can expect for the session. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. Hey, uh, if y'all would do us a favor. 
and uh, go if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. Well, you never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android friendly, uh, you know, platforms uh, as well. I forget that Dave is an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Justin don't, don't, that. Don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person, and... You know, uh, David and I put these podcasts together. We we talk about who we want to have on, and uh, we we love to have experts and people who are who are very knowledgeable about what's happening, and uh, people that can speak with authority about what's going on, and uh, especially when it comes to the Alabama legislature. And you know, we we talked about you know who who could describe to us, you know, kind of what's going on through the in the upcoming session, and you know who we should get to talk about that, and. Uh, none of them were available, so we settled up with Anthony Daniels, uh, House Minority Leader. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you, you know, I'm joking, man. Uh, I got to do that because I give you so much praise. I think people are starting to think that we're related somehow or another around here. So, uh, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I, I tell you, um, it's uh, it's a good day in Alabama. Oh yeah, is that right? What makes it a good day? What makes it a good day? Well, we're in a special session, and folks are calm. Everybody's nice to each other, Hmm. and it's you know it's it's a it's the honeymoon phase. No, we'll be we'll be getting married (laughs) and going for soon. <laughs> yeah, y'all gonna start throwing plates here any day now. That's uh, uh, <laughs> shoes. Uh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> shoes. Yeah. I, so you know, I I wrote a column about um, uh, about the agenda uh, that y'all have as uh, Democrats. The House Democratic Caucus put out its agenda, um, and I mean. You know, first of all, I think you probably called a whole hell of a lot of people off guard when you've got Democrats out there leading the way on tax cuts. Uh, but you do. And one of the biggest ones is this this idea of cutting taxes on overtime pay. I guess if you would tell tell everybody what that is about and, and where the idea came from and, and how likely do you think that is to pass? Well, Josh, first of all, thank you and David for, for really having me. It's always good to be on here with you all. Um, what I would tell you is um, a part of what we strive to do as Democrats is to identify um, problems that we see in the future or existing problems and try to provide some type of solution. Whereas typically you will have a minority, whether it's Democrat or Republican, where the person on the other side of the aisle just throw bombs the entire time. But for us, we want to make certain that there are some deliverables uh, to the people of Alabama uh, that we represent. and so. Uh, and dealing with, uh, we know we're not going to be able to ever increase minimum wage in Alabama, uh, you know, so that's that's a foregone conclusion. And so how, what other ways can we uh, create an environment that is pro-growth, uh, pro-employee, as well as pro, pro-employer, uh, that also helps our, our economy uh, long term? And so 
that's when I came up with, um, you know, what, what, how can we give families, working families more money? Right. And, and so when you ride up and down 65 or 2059 or 82 or wherever you go in this, in the state of Alabama, you see these large signs of now hiring, now Mm -hmm. hiring over and over again at cities, counties, urban areas, suburban areas, it doesn't matter, uh, and rural areas. And so um, this concept is, I was surprised that it had never been tried before anywhere, uh, never even had a conversation about it anywhere. But being able to allow a person making $15 an hour, go to work 40 hours, and when it goes, so the overtime on the t- overtime aspect, any hour after the 40th hour is considered mm-hmm. overtime mm-hmm. and overtime is time and a half. But the state of Alabama still taxes overtime pay just like they do pay for the first 40 hours at 5%. Mm-hmm. Well, at time and a half, 5% is a lot, a lot larger to take out of your check than 5% of just regular hourly wages. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. so when you're 15, so when you're $15 an hour, but in overtime, you're, you know, you're probably at, you know, 20 something dollars an hour, right. And from the mm-hmm. overtime standpoint. And so instead of the state taxing you, I want to remove that 5% income tax on overtime pay only. So a person making $15 an hour, will end up with $996 um, before, I mean, with, you know, with the taxes. But if we pass the elimination of overtime tax, it'll add an additional $111 every pay period for the first, for the, for 50, if they work 50 hours, it'll add 111 additional dollars on top of what you'll be taking home. Nice. And so, what this does is I think is an encouragement for individuals to be able to work, to work overtime, but I also think it, it puts more money in the pockets of Alabamians, especially those that are uh, not doing so well. And it also helps the company as it relates to productivity from a productivity mm-hmm. standpoint, you're able to produce at a high level. So you're able to produce with four employees at the rate of five. You're able to mm-hmm. produce with 80 employees of production of equal to hundred employees. Right. If you only did 10 hours a week of overtime. And so from an economic standpoint, while some may say, you know, that's going to take a little bit of money from the education trust fund, but we're talking about overtime pay only. We're not talking about the first 40 hours. You have a baseline. But what we got to understand is the price of eggs right now, David, I mean, two a year, two years ago, it was $2. So you receive. 10 cents on in, in the average, you receive 10, you pay in 10 cents in tax on every dollar in some mm-hmm. cities. I think Montgomery is at 10 cents. So that's 20 mm-hmm. cents you're paying in taxes for eggs two years ago. Now you're paying 80 cents in taxes for those same, that same carton of eggs. Mm-hmm. And so as we've not gotten a grasp or a hold of the um, supply chain uh, within the state of Alabama, this allows the employee to take home more money, but it also helps the employer when it comes to production. So long-term, if the rate of, of the production, the production rate is at or above schedule, ahead of schedule, you'll see 
you won't have a, such a supply chain issue. And so, therefore, from an Alabama standpoint, uh, because of our shaky relations with China and other countries, we're not able to see these products move as fast. So, therefore, it creates an opportunity for a made in Alabama or made in America and produced in America opportunity opportunity for us um, and also to keep up with the supply chain issues, which then will control costs. So it's a it's a no brainer, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, and and you you also uh, want to cut the you, sp- you talked about the price of eggs. I mean, uh, Democrats also want to cut out the uh, tax on food on groceries uh, as well. Um, and um, you know that that has been a plan for as long as I've been covering uh, the legislature. Um, uh, I know John Knight carried this thing for a long time. It was his baby, um, and uh, and tried to get this thing passed for forever. That I mean, because honestly, we tax this. We tax food at every step along the way up to the point of purchase, and then we tax it again for the people to take it home and eat it. And so it's just it's just really ridiculous. Absolutely. And, and you know, there are some, Josh, that makes his argument about it's going to cost us, you know, a half a billion dollars to remove the sales tax off groceries, right? Mm-hmm. So my argument is, if David is able to save a few dollars at the grocery store, he's going to spend it somewhere else. It's, you're going to collect the sales tax anyway. Right. right? And so, therefore, this argument that the, the education trust fund is going to take this hit on the front end is just not true. And so in order to, to reach a compromise with both Democrats and Republicans or those that are for or against the uh, grocery tax, because it's a mixed bag, right? There are a lot of Republicans that are in support of grocery tax. So I'm not saying that the Republican policies is just anti-grocery tax. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is where those individuals that are in certain positions that are focusing on the, the financial aspect, the, the fiscal office and others tell them, hey, you're going to you know this is the hit that the education trust fund is going to take. Well, in reality, uh, there's no data, there's nothing to support that argument. So therefore, my proposal, and, and, and uh, Representative McClammy will be carrying this in the House, I'm proposing that we do a month loan, a long uh, elimination of the grocery tax. So you take the month of June and you eliminate grocery tax the entire month of June. Well, by August 1st, the Department of Revenue and all should have those, those receipts um, in hand, in place, and be able to tell us how much money in FY 2023 in June we we brought in, and then you do a you do a four to five year comparison, side by side comparison to say June of 2023 we removed the sales tax off groceries, especially a, a snap definition of that. But here's what we brought in versus FY 22 June we brought in this amount. I can assure you that there is not a significant difference in what you brought in in 2023 than 2022, even with the grocery tax um, being removed, the tax on grocery being removed. It is a way to scare people by talking about the hit that is going to we're going to experience with the education trust fund. That's mm-hmm. false. So my thing is, let's test it out. Let's test that theory that we're going to take a such a hit. Let's test it out. And then when the data comes back, the people will be able to see what actually happened. Because, David, I guarantee you, kids are out of school in June. 
your grocery bill is going to be three times the amount in June that it was <laughs> throughout the year. Right. I know my kids, my four and six year old, eat me out of house and home. <laughs> I thought about putting my own garden in the backyard, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, that's a really smart idea to, uh, to just do a trial run at the very least. That's a very smart idea. Uh, it, it it sort of boggles my mind that normally, you know, and I don't, I, I mean, I you know, I'm going to make this part, I'm just going to go ahead and make it partisan because I think it is a partisan issue. Um, <clears throat> normally, Republicans are stumbling over themselves to find ways to eliminate taxes, you know. So here you are, you've got two really good proposals, one that has been offered up, as you just indicated, almost every year, you know, by somebody, if not by John Knight when he was in the legislature, then by somebody. Um, I know certainly Alabama Arise, my friends there, have been advocating for this for years. And now you bring out this other, I think, again, very brilliant plan that says, hey, eliminate the tax on overtime pay. And yet, I don't, I don't hear a Republican groundswell saying, yes, let's do that. Why is that? So here, here's what's been happening, David. Um, some of the folks are rural communities across the state of Alabama. I've been getting messages from uh, folks that identify partisan and also identify Republican that have been saying, we need to do this. There are Republican legislators in both houses that have been saying we need to do this. And so there will be a bill within the next week and a half. I will be dropping that bill. And I'm waiting till the special session is over so that we don't mix the two issues because the special session is going to take up a lot of the the uh, coverage. And so I want to make certain that we're addressing that going in back into the regular session. And so there is a lot of support behind it. Uh, there are some that say, let me see the fiscal note. My, my thing is a fiscal note tells you what the anticipated losses could be. But when you give a person a dollar, David, you don't control where they spend that dollar. Right. And if the education trust fund is based upon income tax and sales tax, that's how you're mostly how it's being funded then you can't, you, there's no way you can anticipate how much money is going to be brought in because I've never met a person that is, uh, that's a working class person that is not spending money, right? When they get it, they're going to spend it. Mm-hmm. And so from a state perspective, we should be doing things to really help reduce the burden on families across the state of Alabama because we are, we cannot be complicit to pushing individuals into poverty. Right. But if we do nothing, that's exactly what we're doing. Right. 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 And like you said, people are going to spend the money anyway in some form or fashion. So the state should, in theory, should really not even miss. Uh, it shouldn't really be a deficit. Let me let me switch gears for a minute, um, Anthony, and ask you something <clears throat> that is a, a very... Uh, sort of partisan question. Um, and this involves our friend, uh, Stephen Reed, who, of course, is the, is the mayor there in Montgomery. 
um, have the have the have the audio tapes that have come out about Stephen, you know, or quote, or you know, with Stephen, and I, you know, we all understand that, you know, um, you know, he alleges that that uh, they were edited. He's even questioned if it's his voice on all the tapes. Um, I certainly, the first time I heard them, I thought this is absolutely edited, but it sounded like him to me. Um, has that had any impact at all on the Democratic parties or the or the legislative Democratic agenda uh, for the uh, for the state of Alabama? <clears throat> a- absolutely not. Let me let me okay. say this. Let me say this. Um, all of us say things that can be taken out of context, and we say things that we don't expect to be recorded, but. Uh, Anthony Davis makes comments that could be that he could stand to be put on the front page of the paper, regardless <laughs> of what it is. So I don't care, right? But for Stephen, Stephen is a personal friend of mine, right? And uh, I know that Stephen has been working extremely hard for Montgomery, uh, and so it's unfortunate that that um, you know video tapes, some I mean, tapes were released. Um, but I think that he's doing a great job as mayor. Uh, has it had any impact on me uh, as an elected official, a Democrat? Absolutely not. Uh, because at the end of the day, Stephen is my friend before this tape was released, and he's going to be my friend after this. And at the end of the day, I judge a person based upon their deliverables to a city that they're running, not rhetoric. And so, um, you know, I don't know all the details that really went on um, relative to uh, the gentleman that um, who, you know, recording, audio recording. Um, and, and it's still hey, you, you kind of cut out there for just a second. You kind of cut out for just a second. You said you, yeah, you didn't, you don't know all the details related to the gentleman. And then you, you cut out. What, what were you saying? So what I'm saying is that there are a lot of individuals that make, um, make statements, um, that are taken out of context. We've seen that happen time and time again. But the mere fact that someone would record a private conversation, that bothers me. Now, I'm not defending the comments that are made on the tape. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm, what I'm doing is, if you're having a confidential conversation uh, about anything, it should be confidential. But I just happen to be one of those politicos that try to have a conversation behind closed doors at a level to where I would I could stand for it to be printed on the front page of the paper, right? And it wouldn't bother me. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that comes with time, um, but at the same time, um, I have my own thoughts, private thoughts about some of the things that were that were said. Um, and I think that it also begs, um, I, I don't think any, has anyone disputed some of the comments of saying that they weren't accurate or something Did I hear? I didn't, I hadn't heard anyone. Do that. Uh, no, he's no. not really disputed them. He, no. he did say that they, uh, that, that they lacked some context mm-hmm. and that, um, no, and- no, no, I'm referring to people in general, um, saying that you know what Stephen said was inaccurate, it wasn't true, or whatever oh, he shouldn't. Yeah, no. Although it shouldn't, you know, you know they may say they may disagree with him saying it, 
But the mere the mere fact is, I think that there it may begs a larger conversation uh, yeah, on I that think, topic. Yeah, on I that think topic I have heard itself. some. Yeah, Anthony, I think I have uh, heard some people uh, <clears throat> question whether or not um, they agreed with his assessment. Um, you know, with the opinion that he expressed, he, he you know he expressed some opinions about uh, you know, and again, I still think in order to really understand the the full conversation, you need to, you know, you need to have context and you need to hear everything. But anyway, the snippets that we heard, I've, I've certainly gotten the sense that not everybody thinks that what he said is necessarily accurate in terms of uh, his assessment of, of uh, you know, the, uh, the necessity of, of the black vote or the viability of the black vote. And I think that those that have opinions about that probably mm-hmm. did, are not mayors or governing in the city or running mm-hmm. a town or running the community that's similar to his. Mm-hmm. And so none of us really, you know, I mean, that's why, you know, I've never weighed in on it uh, because, you know, I know him and I know that this guy works extremely hard for his constituents. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I'm not, for, for whatever the comments are made, it has no impact on me, period. Mm-hmm. It has no impact on the legislators that are here because at the end of the day, we have to, we have to work with, we work with everyone. And my job as a leader is to make certain that my, uh, our members have an opportunity to um, make changes or improve their communities. Mm-hmm. And so if we're me- judging a person we're judging a community based upon our thoughts about what someone said, whether it's true or not, should not be the case because you're hurting the, you're hurting the community. You're not hurting the person. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me ask you one other question then. And this goes to the, <clears throat> this goes more to the party um, and the agenda of the democratic party, because Stephen, you know, we've got in our state, let's just be frank in our state, we've got, a handful of black democratic, you know, I would call them rising stars. You know, certainly you're on that list. Steven is on that list. Woodfin is on that list. Um, you know, I may be forgetting somebody, but, uh, but uh, right now I would say if, if, you know, if you were to ask anybody just right off the top of their head, who are the, who are the three Democrats that are, you know, uh, black Democrats that are really, you know, uh, that represent the future of the Democratic Party in this state, uh, at the very least, it would be the three of you. Um, so, you know, my question is, does this in any way, in your mind, diminish the future of the Democratic Party writ large and then the future of blacks in the Democratic Party more specifically? I don't think so. I think that um, what we're you're de- sometimes you deal you deal in a generational world to where um, my generation is more is less focused on race and what uh, than than anything. Uh, we want to focus on moving, pushing, promoting policies that's going to remove barriers. Uh, oftentimes, the way some people deliver or express that is different than I would. Uh, but I don't think it has an impact. Uh, I do think that um, I do hope that people will judge leaders by based upon their deliverables, not 
some, you know, inadvertent or, you know, comments that would have been made. And so um, I do think it gives us an opportunity to to really go back or uh, with the people in our district because and this this forces us to 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 kind of reset thing reset and, and, and get back to the basics. And so um, I think that there are many dynamic leaders within the Democratic Party, even in Alabama, uh, that's not limited to myself, Randall and or Stephen. Uh, but there are a lot of other, you know, you have Walt Maddox as a Democrat that's fairly young uh, as well. Uh, and you have others that are that are kind of a trick coming up through the ranks from a, a municipal government standpoint. And so I just think that the future is bright. Uh, but I do think that we have to be extremely careful um, about context. Uh, and those folks that are around us. Mm-hmm. So let me be clear about one thing, too. I think you're right when you say <clears throat> that there are others who have run for races and have lost or maybe haven't even um, or maybe haven't even run for races yet who represent a bright future in the party. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. What I'm really talking about, though, is people that have won and who have achieved a certain level of status. And that's mm-hmm. really what I'm talking about in terms of statewide democratic politics. <clears throat> and I'm talking and I'm really thinking about black people. I'm not thinking right now about, you know, Walt Maddox and white people. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that to disparage or to disregard, but I'm thinking about uh, the future of black people in the democratic party in this state. And when I think about that and those who have achieved a certain level of statewide notoriety, um, you know, there's only a handful of you there. You know, I could have, you know, I could have mentioned Terry Sewell, I guess, but, you know, Terry is, uh, in my mind, she, uh, you know, as a congressperson, she has a fairly, uh, um, uh, I'll say, uh, her, her, her locus of influence is not the same as yours, even though you are, uh, you only represent in the legislature, uh, you know, an even smaller district. I get that, but of course you're the you're the you're the minority leader. You know, Woodfin is the the mayor of a big city. Stephen is the mayor of a of a of a of a important city. It may not be the biggest city in the state, but it's an important city in the state. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and, and so I think. Like I said before, I think the future is bright. Um, I think that uh, the only thing that I would be concerned about is burnout. Uh, because there's such high expectations on very few people. And the expectation is that we are to be everything to everyone. And uh, we're not resourced enough to be able to to really um, build a pipeline like we need. Right. And like we should. And we didn't we didn't get in these positions by someone just opening the door and, and clearing the field. We fall for these positions. Right. And so uh, for us, um, I think the future is bright. You got, you know, um, Bobby Singleton, uh, who's the Senate minority leader, who's do, who's done amazing things. And he's African-American uh, that does amazing things uh, in, in, in state government. Uh, and you have other leaders like Barbara Drummond down in Mobile area. And it's it's just that we're talked about because we're probably the most 
we're the individuals that get the most press from state and national press. But there are other folks out there uh, that I think that are that strong and could be even stronger than we are. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Let me um, get you out of here um, with this here to, to kind of just to switch back for a second to the to the agenda um, because y'all are you, know, you it's minority leader and not majority leader for for a reason and uh, the other side's got a super majority and so whenever we talk about the agenda for the Democrats we know you have to have some Republican help uh, on a lot of the proposals that you have. Uh, do you feel like you know specifically for the two tax uh, cuts uh, that you that you that you've been looking at, and then for for the rest of the agenda as well? Uh, do you feel like you're going to get that support, and what do you feel like the overall odds are of you getting some of this stuff passed? Well, that's why I'm having some meetings today to figure out uh, to make certain that my my tax cut on overtime uh, meets the fiscal test that we needed to meet in order to get grab the attention of a, a number of folks. But I will tell you, there's been so much encouragement by Republicans uh, and Democrats around this proposal. In fact, there is already a Senate sponsor that's a Republican Senate sponsor that's going to sponsor this bill in the Senate. And there are some folks that are in some pretty high positions that are going to be co-sponsors of it in the House uh, and the Senate. And so uh, this these proposals that I'm talking about, while individual put Democrats, put Democrats in a box. I mean, I've never been in a box and I've always operated to where what's good and thinking about what's good for Alabama. Uh, but I just happen to be a Democrat in introducing this. Right. And so I've passed legislation before that have always, I don't think any piece of legislation I've passed have had less than 70 votes, um, period, whether it's alcohol or whatever it is. And so, uh, I try to focus on things that are where the, where there's common ground that really doesn't have in the view there is there's no partisan view on it. It's right. a view of hey, this is this is good for Alabama, and that's kind of where I try to stay uh, from a, from a policy standpoint. And of course, there are some differences on things like healthcare and other things on how we arrive at certain points that we fight out on the floor. But for the most part. Uh, it's about being effective, but also making certain that you're not compromising the principles that you believe in or the principles of the party that you represent. Well, that's uh, I couldn't say it better than that. So, um, uh, listen, we, we appreciate you uh, coming on and, and spending some time and, you know, kind of breaking things down. I thought that was a very excellent discussion between uh, you and David about uh, the Stephen Reed issue. I thought that was I think some folks could really take uh, take a lot of information out of that. And uh, and so we appreciate you coming on and, and having those kind of conversations with us and all the other work that you that you do for the state and for all the other folks around. And uh, and, I, you know, we wish you obviously we wish you a lot of luck in getting some of this yeah. stuff passed because it would benefit the whole state and a, and a lot of us. Well, I hope you all start doing a prayer line for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well that's, yeah. that's next on. I'll, I'll let David lead the prayer line. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll get with your pastor, uh, Reverend, uh, Reverend uh, Maurice Wright, and we'll, we'll see what we can do about that. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. That is um, House Minority Leader Anthony Daniels. Thank you so much for, for coming on and spending some time with us. All right, thank you guys for having me and have a great weekend and enjoy the rest of this month and hope to, hope to be back with you guys soon as we get into the weeds. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. We'll get you back on. Yeah. That's uh, you know, man, he's uh, he's good. 
Uh, he really is good at, uh, at, at all of this. And, uh, we're lucky to, to have him around and, um, he is, um, uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of the stuff he does that doesn't get recognized and I give him a hard time all the time, but, uh, it's, uh, he's still, uh, he's still a pretty good dude. Oh yeah, man. He's an asset to the state without question. And, um, and I do think he's right, you know, uh, and, and I'm glad he, he named some names and elaborated, uh, on my, uh, in his answer on my question, because there are other, uh, black people that are up and rising, some of whom have yet to be elected, yeah. uh, but who I think hold a lot of promise. And, you know, of course, I've worked with one and I won't, you know, I don't want to be too self-promotional here, but, you know, I talk about Will Boyd and, mm-hmm. uh, but I think Will is one. I think um, that they're uh, Wesley Thompson in the shows is another one, uh, you know, Violet uh, Edwards, who has been elected, but who has not yet uh, stepped onto the statewide platform. Right. Uh, who sees Madison County Commissioner here? I mean, there are a lot of people that we could we could name, you know. And of course, OGs like Laura Hall to me, or it goes without saying, you know. Yeah. I've already factored them in, but uh, but I really do think it's a that that it's a. You know, you think about the future of the Democratic Party in our state. You have to factor Stephen Reed into that. And you have to then ask yourself, what does this do as it relates to the Democratic Party in general and the future of blacks in the Democratic Party in particular that you now have, uh, you know, him in the, the, you know, he's still in the middle of this thing. And it has divided the the electorate there in Montgomery from what I understand. So, yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, You do. uh, I'm going to write kind of a column about some of the some of the rhetoric I've heard about uh, Ed there in Montgomery and uh-huh. uh, surrounding Stephen for Monday. And, um, and just, I, cause I think a lot of the, a lot of the stuff is, is that, especially the stuff that's coming from the right is, is very unfair. Um, hmm. And even some stuff that's coming from, from the, uh, from the black voters, uh, you know, a section of the black voters. I think it's very unfair uh, to, uh, to blame Stephen for some of the stuff that's, that's happening today. Um, you know, these things have been decades in the making and the fact that he hadn't fixed them inside of what, three or four years. Um, I don't know is, I I don't think that's a reasonable position to hold necessarily. So, uh, but, uh, you know, anyway, we, we need to slide out, I guess. So, uh, let's do that. Let's slide out. We'll come back in just a minute and wrap this baby up. Alabama politics this week. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot. Alrighty, welcome back, Alabama politics this week. Josh Moon, David Person, uh, appreciate Anthony Daniel spending yeah. some quality time there. That uh, was nice. Um, you know, um, what were we talking about before? Were we talking about anything good that we needed to carry over, or am I making this up in my head? We weren't talking about anything good. No, I don't. I think we pretty much we we uh, talked um, through what you raised in your column before Anthony came on, and I okay. think. 
I think we exhausted that, I believe. Yeah, 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 we did. You know, uh, one of the things I did want, want to talk about, maybe this is what I'm thinking of, one of the things I did want to talk about was, you know, they had the uh, Bridge Crossing Jubilee in Selma mm, this past mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, and it was a nice event. President Biden was in town, um, you know, gave a nice speech. Uh, there were a lot of folks, you know, there you know, in attendance. It was apparently a very nice ceremony. And um, not a single state uh Republican elected official was there. Uh, not the governor. You know, the governor didn't bother to show up to meet the president of the United States at at a at a bridge crossing jubilee in which you celebrate the the folks that that marched from Selma to Montgomery for voting rights. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know where we are, and as a as a country, really, uh, politically, where. That's that's too controversial for you to do. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know, I guess I guess where we are is where Marjorie Taylor Greene has said we are that we ought to we ought to split we ought to split into red states and blue states and um, and just uh, go ahead and um, you know enter a cold civil war. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's where we are, and and I think that does feed into, <clears throat> pardon me, the mindset that informs uh, our Republican leadership here in this state. When the president comes to your state, it seems like to me, no matter what party you are, it's it's to the advantage of your state mm-hmm. to be there, yeah, to be cordial, yeah. To to have some sort of a public rapport with the president. <clears throat> After all, Alabama has no problem at all uh, sucking on the tit of the federal government. Yes, they do. In fact, we suck on both tits. <laughs> and if I wanted to be crass, I would continue, but I won't. Um, you know, it's it, at the very least... Our governor, and I think our senators and members of Congress from our state ought to be present when the president comes to visit in a non-partisan setting. Now, you yes. know, if he were here campaigning, oh, yeah, we get that. Yeah, of course you don't want to yeah. be there. This is non-partisan. No, this is this is to help. I mean, not because not only was he there for the bridge crossing, he was also there as, as you know to view the the damage from the storms and and the cleanup efforts that have that have been undertaken, and to see what all was needed uh, in Selma. And and you would think that the state leaders would want to go over and 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 have some folks available uh, for him to ask some questions of, you know, yes. to. You know, the, the maybe you know the the state directors of, of of various organizations that could you know could inform him of where they're lacking, what they what they need, what what could be handled differently. You know, how much money, how much more money they need, or what assistance they could have. You know, but even more than that, even if it were just for the bridge crossing portion of this, why are you not there? You know. Yeah, and that and that again, and that's the thing that dumbfounds me about. Republicans in general and Alabama Republicans in particular, because they claim to want more black Republicans. They want Mm -hmm. more blacks to join the Republican Party. Okay, so you want more blacks to join the Republican Party. 
this is an event that even though it was a multiracial, you know, the civil rights movement was multiracial, we know it was about, you know, achieving the right to vote for black people. Sure. We know that that what's being celebrated <clears throat> was the sacrifice that was made primarily, not exclusively, but primarily by black civil rights activists and marchers and protesters, mm-hmm. you know, and they were doing it in the context of a white supremacist state. Yeah. This is a great opportunity for our Alabama Republicans to step up and say, on the issue of voting rights, we stand with you. Yeah. On the issue of civil rights, we stand with you. But the reason they don't show up, Josh, is because they don't stand with us. No, that's right. That's right. It's uh, it, it benefits them more. It benefits them more politically to stand against you. It yeah. does. And, and and that's the voters that they're trying to attract. Yes. And 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 if we're going to keep this thing real. You know, um, the gutting of the Voting Rights Act and and some of the voter suppression activities that have been initiated by the state all speak volumes. Like like the old saying says, and I say old saying, I know it's an old saying in the black community. When somebody shows you who they are, believe them, believe them. So yeah. they can talk all that talk about wanting more blacks in the Republican Party all they want. That's a bunch of you know what. Yeah. yeah. You, you know who always went to these things? Who? It's just going to surprise the hell out of everybody. John Merrill. John Merrill always went to the bridge hmm. crossing stuff. He was there for the Obama bridge crossing. Uh, he was, uh, I'm, I remember talking, he was the only statewide elected official that was there uh, wow. at the Obama at the Obama 50th anniversary uh, that I can recall. Uh, I know Bentley didn't show, I don't believe, but um, I mean, it was, you know, it's just, it's such a, it's such a big deal. You know, it's, 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 it's such a big deal. It's such a nonpartisan big deal uh, that, that bridge crossing. And, and you would think even if the president weren't there, that you would want to go and, and show your support for, for the event that took place for the commemoration. And I mean, listen, you don't have to go every year. Uh, you know, but you know, once once every four years sure wouldn't hurt anybody. Uh, you know, yeah. and if the president's gonna be there, then you know you show up and greet the president and uh, and the other officials who are there. But you know, I, that, I guess we're just beating a dead horse at this point because we know we you're right. We know who they are. They've shown us who they are, and they're going to continue to show us who they are. They don't care about uh, what's. It's just like uh, the the column or the op ed that was written by Steve Marshall this week. Uh, in which he, you know, talked about this new gang initiative uh, that they're the laws that he wants, and he used the term gang bangers. You know, yeah. I mean, what? Yes, yeah, a racial dog whistle. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course it is. Of course it's racial dog whistles. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, he talked openly. What what kills me is is the hypocrisy of the gun issue in this is mm-hmm. and, and talking openly about these these kids carrying these weapons around everywhere. Well. Isn't that what the hell you wanted? Well, every time you right. keep rolling up in there talking about, right. you know, or, or I'm sorry, you only arming white people with those votes, right. you know, with those votes to repeal all these laws and not do this stuff. You know, I mean, that's what you wanted. You wanted open carry for everybody. You wanted that's them to right. be able to strap those guns on and walk around like it was the Wild West or some shit. Mm-hmm. And here, you know, and now to act as though 
And because that's what they're trying to pass. They're trying to pass laws that basically uh, add on more prison sentences uh, to young kids uh, and to try, you know, young kids 16 years old as an adult for these crimes, you know, because they have a firearm. You can't have it both ways. You just can't no. have it. But there's no I, I, there's no way this this stands up in federal court. There's no way that it could stand up that you, you have this double standard uh, when it comes to firearms like this. There's, there's simply no way that it could. I mean, unless it's the 11th Circuit, of course, which anything mm-hmm. can stand over there. But well, well, I hope and pray that uh, <clears throat> that you're right, that it won't. But, you know, we got to we got to face the reality that, again, there is a significant contingent of Republicans. I'm still not sure what percentage they represent, but there's a significant contingent of Republicans who appear to be very comfortable with the idea of slowly rolling back the clock Hmm. on civil rights, human rights. And these are the indications of that. You know, um, this, this, this other thing you were just talking about targeting younger people for, for harsher jail terms, you know, who violate these gun laws, you know, that's about building in my mind that equates to an effort to building up the prison industrial complex Mm -hmm. that, 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 and that to me is on the same continuum with the old convict leasing from the early 20th century. You know, that that was that was routinely done in our in our country where where black men were arrested uh, for frivolous things so that they could then be incarcerated and then forced to work for some company or some corporation, you know, at at, uh, what are basically, you know, just better than slave wages, you you know. Actually, I, mean, I don't know that they are better than slave wages, you know? Well, and you know, that's the, and you make a good point. In some cases, it may not be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, but it's all on the same continuum to me. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, we, we have to, you know, you look at that, you look at what's happening with Mississippi, where they're basically trying to create a two-tiered legal system. You know, when you read the stories about that, that's what it reads like to me. Yep. They're trying to create a two-tiered legal system. Yep. You know, so as though that you know, doesn't already exist, they're just trying to make the two tiered legal system worse, you know? Yeah. And they informalized, you know, they're yep. trying to formalize it. Yeah. You know, where yeah. two tiered racial, and that's a, again, that's a throwback to, you know, Jim Crow. Yep. So, you know, people think that we use the term Jim Crow, we just toss it around haphazardly. No, that spirit, that inclination is still alive and well in this country today. No doubt about that. There ain't no doubt about that. Um, have we, uh, is there, was there something else that we were going to get to before the right wing nut? Uh, I think we've covered everything, haven't we? I think so. Okay. Because our right wing nut might take a second. Because that is uh, Tennessee Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. And Randy has been very Randy uh online uh this uh was a big uh big supporter of the recent uh all all the recent legislation targeting lgbtq uh, folks and uh the drag queens and the, the you know the drag shows and all that a big supporter of that well apparently Randy has been uh following and commenting on uh the 
social media postings of a young man. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the right terminology to describe this young man's social media accounts. And so, yeah, you go ahead. If you got, you got an well, idea, you, you help me out. The photo that I saw that, mm-hmm. that uh, you and our esteemed producer sent, <clears throat> sent me so that I could, because I wasn't up on this story. Uh, the photo that I saw, I would describe as <clears throat> leaving little to the imagination. Uh, I would describe it as uh, sort of an NC-17 kind of photo. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, I would mm-hmm. say that... Um, uh, there fact, are several was, of them. Yeah, several. Okay, I saw one. I saw yeah. one. And the one that I saw <clears throat> was plenty for me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It, 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 it struck me as though... Uh, this was a young man, you know, the, what the kids say today, they call it thirsty. I think that's mm-hmm. what they call it. Yes. Yeah. You know, it was kind yes. of a thirsty kind of photo. Uh-huh. Like a, like a come get some of this photo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, and if you're, if you would like to look this up, you can go to the Tennessee yeah. Hollers page. Okay. Uh, they have yeah. all of this information. And, um, yeah, he, the Lieutenant Governor issued a, a statement basically blaming the holler for, for putting this stuff out there, but didn't really deny that he was the person, uh, that, that said the stuff that made the comments on this mm-hmm. kid's page. And I say kid, I'm young man's page. Um, and, and I'll, you know, when you see the photos, you'll understand, you know, why I, I brought up the LGBTQ uh, legislation that he has yeah. been supportive of. And, and the comments that he had, they're, they're not just likes. Okay. He's a, there was a heart emoji on one and there was a, he used the kid's nickname on another, uh, apparently had, had been in the DMs of this guy as well talking. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's some hypocrisy that's, that's right. kind of off the charts. And, and, you know, I gotta say, it really makes me disappointed lately in in the lack of controversy from our politicians in this state. Uh, I mean, really, Tennessee has surpassed us on so many levels when it comes to idiotic uh, political maneuvering and things, and uh, some of the some of the just off the charts hypocrisy of their officials, like Governor Bill Lee getting caught in the with a drag photo for, as he's you know signing the bill to ban drag right. shows. And, right. I mean, it's just a whole bunch of stuff like that. Well, now, Josh, you know, we did have our day in the sun. Let's we did. Forget, don't forget about, you know, uh, dear old Uncle Bob Bentley. You know, he, we had our day ah, in the sun. That's right. Glory days. Glory days. <laughs> Mr. Springsteen and, and would say me, glory days. And to me, you know, what's, 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 uh, it's not really funny. It's funny on a surface level, but it's really sad on another level is, you know, we're all human beings. Mm-hmm. And we've all got our preferences and desires. We've all mm-hmm. got our, you know, our little, um, you know, some might call them picadillos, you know, when it comes to sex and other things. And you know what? That's part of being a human being. That's part yes. of the human experience, the human struggle. But what I don't like, and I know what you don't like, is the the hypocritical aspect of this thing, where somebody purports to be one thing. But then in their private life, there's something else. Not not just that. It purports to be something else, but then also attacks yes. what he actually is yes. and, and damages people yes. um, because he is so has so much self-loathing 
Yeah. Uh, and that's what a lot of this is. It's just just good old fashioned self-loathing uh, mm. on behalf of, of these people. And yes, listen, if you would like to have take my psychology course, just let me know. I'll sign you up. Uh, and uh, but that's that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's basically self-loathing. They, they dislike themselves. And that, I don't doubt for a second that they'll in the coming days, there'll be a press conference where this dude uh, stands up and, and tells everybody he's not gay. Uh, and, and let me just say, as I, I can't remember which comedian it was that said it, if you're having a press conference to tell people you're not gay, you are definitely gay. <laughs> so it is, uh, I mean, it, it just is, that's just the facts of the matter, you know, and, and, and it's fine. That's, that's what gets mm-hmm. me is, is it's fine. And, and, and I just, it, it, it makes me wonder if people were really honest with themselves about this stuff and, um, you, you know, and just live their lives. Uh, that way, how much better off they would be and how much better off all those people that they've hurt to try to cover this up for themselves would be. Uh, exactly. You know. I mean, I I would imagine, I don't know how many um, Republicans are openly gay in Tennessee, but I know there are a lot of openly gay people in Tennessee. They've got to sure. be. Right? Absolutely there are, yeah. You know, yeah. You know so, I, you know, I don't know what's what's the you know, what's the, I guess it's, I don't know, we're, we're so conditioned mm-hmm. to think about things in very, um, you know, rigid ways and, yeah. and, um, you know, um, I just, I think, well, you know, I kind of, again, I don't, it's, it's, a, it's appalling to me when, like we said, somebody's hypocritical and then they're also attacking using their position to attack yeah. people when they know the people they're attacking are just like them. Yep. But there's also something sad about that too. It is. Yeah, you know? it is. You know, something you know that about it. it is, it's, it's sad that somebody is that uh, unhappy uh, in mm-hmm. their lives and that they, their only outlet for that is to try to make other people unhappy as well, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but listen, that's not what we've done today. We've given you, despite David and I both being under the weather uh, yeah. here, uh, we've come through. So listen, y'all should really probably pay for this one uh, because, you know, we put in an effort that you will not see from most people. Okay. <laughs> so acknowledge our greatness. Uh, and uh, until next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace. Mm-hmm.